بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته All praise and thanks are due solely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Traces, peace, blessings and salutations upon our master and exemplar, Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. It is a bit of a weird experience to do this, but nonetheless, I put out the word online that look, um, you know, those who are kind of following me on social media and so on, they'd be familiar with the fact that I recently completed a marathon, subhanallah. Up until now, uh, this was last week and Sunday, and uh, even a week later, I still find myself sitting back sometimes and just saying, you know, oh my goodness, I actually completed a marathon, except I don't say it so nicely in my head. <laughs> um, it's a bit of a crazy thing for me personally, simply because I was never into sport. I was never into uh any sort of physical activity for that matter, throughout my entire life. As a child, I had eczema and I had asthma. And therefore, at school, I was too ashamed to show, you know, my legs or uh, my arms and so on when uh, we needed to do PT or physical training. So I kind of just bailed out on that. And because of the asthma, I couldn't really take part in intense physical activity because it would lead to my chest getting tighter and then an asthma attack. Alhamdulillah, I haven't had an asthma attack since grade four, which back then was called standard two. So for me to say now today that I've completed a marathon, uh, it's it's very important to contextualize that statement because someone may just run away with the idea that, okay, that's for sporty people or that's for uh, people who are fit and active and so on. And that is the furthest from the truth. So I agreed um with the with the sentiment of actually sharing my experience, not for the sake of boasting, and I pray to Allah that He keeps my my intentions sincere. I mean, or that He makes me sincere for that matter, but rather for the sense of drawing lesson therefrom and perhaps inspiring others to take on a similar task. Now, I cannot say that it is an Islamic uh, recommendation to do a marathon. No, that's not the case. At least not as direct as that, but. As is the title of my podcast, The Strong Believer, the Prophet wasallam said that the strong believer is better and more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the weak believer, even though in good, there's goodness in both of them. So one of my overriding intentions in my journey of physical activity is, inshallah, I want to be the strongest believer that I can possibly be physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and I feel that I've got qada <laughs> to make up, you know, because all these years of being physically inactive, and uh, I'm sorry to say, but even obesity, it's really, it's really a wake-up call, you know, just how much change one person could go through. So before I get ahead of myself and go down a philosophical road, let's just talk about the marathon. So on the 17th of October, myself and close to 10,000 other people, uh, we ran the Cape Town Marathon, which is 42.2 kilometers for those who don't know what a marathon's distance is. Oh, and by the way, uh, the origin of a marathon is actually very interesting. So way back in Greek times, there was ancient Greek times, I should say, 
there was a town called Marathon and a messenger had to take an important message uh, to Marathon and the distance that this messenger had to run was 42.2 kilometers exactly. Uh, actually, there's a slight, just a slight decrease in that figure. It's not exact, exact. And then when he got there, he delivered the message and immediately fell down and passed away. So that's actually the origin of a marathon and also a bit of a an idea of how crazy uh, that type of feat is for you know normal everyday human beings such as ourselves. Um, the journey started out, I think, and Allah knows best, when I first discovered that I'm going to be a father. Uh, in 2017, my wife and I performed our Fard Hajj. And after 10 years of marriage, we had no child. And of course, we knew that this was uh, that this was a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because we've been through, by that time, many, many different cycles of fertility, treatment, and the like. So that was quite a big struggle. Um, needless to say, when one goes on hajj under those circumstances, you're going to make dua for pious progeny. <laughs> and that was exactly what we intended to do. But by the time we arrived in Makkah, and we went to Makkah first, just a few days after arriving, we found out that my wife was in fact Hamil. And uh, this was without any medical intervention, at least for that time, without any treatment. This is all by the will and grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, and completely natural, so to speak. Not that you know any sort of fertility treatments should be looked at as unnatural, but uh, I think you know what I'm trying to say in that regard. Um, it was a wake-up call because I was 29 years of age at the time and already I felt like an old man. What that means is that I couldn't tie my own shoelaces. Um, my wife, who was quite physically fit at the time, mashallah, also uh, in running and other physical activities, she tried to get me to run one day and we lived in Gordonsbury at the time. I couldn't run from pole to pole. In Makkah, I struggled to walk from the hotel to the haram, I struggled with tawaf, I struggled with there's just the everyday movements around. I hated shopping not because I'm pious and I don't like to be in the shops. I hated shopping simply because my legs couldn't carry my body walking around the shops all the time and I would just become so, so tired. So that wasn't a very good place to be in, not Makkah, but rather where my physical health was concerned. And now to add to all of that, I was also about to be a father. And I started thinking about, you know, my own father who had a genuine excuse. He had arthritis at the time, rahimahullah, and he could barely get around because of his arthritis. And uh, I didn't have the type of childhood where my father could play, you know, games with me and so on, physical games, because he wasn't in that physical state. Of course, I had an amazing childhood with him, rahimahullah ta'ala. But I wanted to be able to offer that to, uh, to my daughter. Uh, I didn't know it was a daughter at the time. We didn't know uh, anything about the child at the time. So I decided to make a change. And on Arafah, I asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be a healthy and strong believer. And I was very specific. I was very, very specific about what exactly I wanted to attain in terms of my body and why, in terms of my health and why. Another reason for wanting to make the change over and above, you know, realizing that I'm going to be a father and I might not be able to play with my own child. Um, simple games or just keeping up with the child. Another reason was that many of my teachers, some of them are still alive today, I could see that they weren't very old, but they were struggling with their health. And um, 
it was definitely lifestyle-related illnesses. Now, we don't judge people for their lifestyle-related illnesses. Sometimes it's hereditary, sometimes it's genetic, etc. But more often than not, we can actually prevent those things simply by living in accordance with the sunnah of the Prophet And that sunnah is simply to, to live like a healthy and strong believer, to be physically active and to eat wholesome, nutritious foods. So my journey really began in 2017. Now my wife, who was Hamil, she no longer engaged in physical activity at a large scale because she was worried about the pregnancy, especially since we went through all that fertility issues. She found herself getting bigger because of the pregnancy and, you know, what women go through in that state. And I found myself working out every single day at home on my Xbox with a Kinect uh, for those who know, alhamdulillah, for those who don't, it's basically the scanner thing that you stand in front of it and uh, it detects your body movements. So you're basically following along in that sense as opposed to playing with a controller. So I had a few fitness programs on the Xbox Kinect, including an, an MMA trainer, UFC trainer, and I would do this every single day. And I started seeing results. I started feeling better. I started losing weight. And when I started losing weight and... Uh, that was back when I was 110 kilos. When I started seeing the first few kilos falling away, that motivated me to eating healthier, which I did, alhamdulillah, but without any specific fad diets or cutting out things to the extreme limits, but rather just moderation, 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 and cutting out the obviously unhealthy things, which I felt, uh, you know, just needed to be, needed to be cut out entirely. Within the period of about four to six months, alhamdulillah, I lost um, most of the weight that I wanted to lose. But by then, the physical fitness, the activity, the exercise became more than just a, a weight loss tool. It became more than just something that I must do in order to gain control of my health. It became an outlet. It became a means for me to, you know, in a halal manner, just blow off some steam and relax. You know, I'm not pious enough to do all of that with dhikr and recitation of Qur'an and salawat. You know, for those of you who can get that, you know, even in your dhikr, mashallah, uh, more power to you, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase you. But over and above spiritual development, I felt the need for physical development. And I did, I strongly believe still that it is an intrinsic part of the sunnah of the Prophet as is prevalent, or rather as we explain uh, in the Strong Believer podcast. So this leads me to how I got into running, right? I wasn't interested in running. I used to make fun of those people out there running on the road um, in the hot sun, just running and running and running at the same pace, you know, not sprinting. I used to make fun of um, how boring that is and how they should rather be doing MMA because by then I was no longer training for MMA at home. I was actually... I actually signed up to train, physically train in MMA fighting at the gym, uh, just the training, of course. And um, subhanAllah, I used to really make fun of the people out in the road running. <laughs> and uh, I used to make fun of the fact that they would pay money to run races, get up early in the morning, go drive several uh, kilometers to reach a race, and then pay people to run on the road where they could just run for free later that same day on that same road. And, you know, the list goes on. So 
I uh, I kind of have to bite my tongue as as far as that is concerned because I was in fact not against running, but the idea just didn't sort of sit well with me. So my wife, mashallah, she decided to sign me up for one very big race, Oceans. And the Oceans race is like a world-renowned race. It's a beautiful route. It's a nice race, etc. And so many people, I don't even know how many thousands of people take part in this race. She entered me for the half marathon. And at this point, I haven't, I, I didn't run five kilometers yet. So I was I was physically fit. I lost most of my weight already. And um, it wasn't because of running. It wasn't because of a diet. It was just because of, you know, small changes and then bigger changes and bigger changes and consistency. And then the running came. So she entered me into this race and I was kind of reluctant. But I gave, I thought, you know what? I could probably do it. Alhamdulillah, if there's any time in my life where I'll be able to do something like this, it would be now. So I agreed. And then I thought, you know what? Uh, I kind of need to train because you can't just run a half a marathon. I know that. Um, but I didn't realize how little I actually knew about running at that stage. So my wife belonged to a particular club at that time. And I went along and I trained with that club um, just for a few runs. And when I saw that I could actually do it, then I started you know, training on my own as well. But when I say training, it's not even close to what one's supposed to do to train for a half marathon. For example, the longest run that I did before a half marathon, which is 21.1 kilometers, was 13 kilometers. It was the week before the half marathon. Um, I developed plantar fascia under my one of my feet. I can't remember which one. And um, I almost made it impossible for me to run that race. So I did everything wrong, right? I had no experience. I had no knowledge, etc. And then I ran that half marathon, first ever race, 21 kilometers in two hours and 24 minutes or 28 minutes. I don't recall exactly. But I was pretty chuffed with the time because there were other people out there who were running for far longer than I have. And they ran uh, for sort of worse times than that. But the thing that got me was the, what they call, you know, locally they call this uh, right? there's this there's this moral support, the social support on events such as this and around events such as this, where there are crowds cheering you on and there are crowds sort of encouraging you to go ahead and to do your best from the very beginning of the route till the very end. And this whole uh, concept, you know, of defeating yourself, because you're not really racing to win, you're racing to win yourself. I mean, the elite runners, they, they race to win, but... For us regular folk, you're basically racing to prove to your nafs that you can do this. You're going to defeat your nafs because your nafs doesn't want to run. Your nafs wants to go back to bed and pull the blankets over you. Um, your nafs doesn't want to go through pain. Your nafs wants to eat all the unhealthy foods. And you are defeating all of that and just pushing through, obviously with the permission and the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, that goes without saying. And it really does feel like an achievement. And that got me. That really got me uh, in a big way. So what I found there after was I started signing up for other runs, for other races. And um, somebody approached me, one of the local coaches of a club uh, here in Cape Town called Iteko. And this club is run, was founded by Coach Farouk. So Coach Farouk, 
he met me at an event where I spoke to some hujjaj who were preparing for hajj. They were physically preparing for the, the walking of hajj. So I spoke there and Coach Farouk approached me, asked me about my oceans. He asked me my time and he told me, you know what, you you look like somebody that should be doing two hours, you know, sub two. And I looked at him and I literally laughed because at the time I thought that's impossible. If I finished oceans at 2.24 or 2.28, whatever it was, how is it possible to take off 28 minutes from that time and do, you know, 21.1 kilometers in less than two hours? Um, Subhanallah, the very, the very coach that I, that I speak of, he invited me to come to the club and I did and I met his son-in-law, uh, coach Siraj Brewer. And uh, immediately I started sort of befriending him. We ran in the same little group because the club runs in groups. And he started, you know, giving me knowledge and skills about running that I never knew about. And, and I learned quite a bit from him, alhamdulillah. And we developed a friendship as well. Fast forward a bit, he coached me through some races, told me plans, etc. And we found ourselves running together quite frequently. When lockdown started, we continued running together, uh, at least when it was allowed. And the club would be closed, but we continued our runs. And by that time, where I'm speaking now, I completed two or three half marathons. My third half marathon. The second one was two hours and ten minutes. Or two hours and 15 minutes, I don't recall exactly. The third one was sub two. And that was an amazing, uh, an amazing achievement because it was kind of accidental. Like I didn't go out in the day intending to do a sub two. I went out of the day, felt really good. This was Wineland's marathon, a half marathon. And I found myself in front of the sub two hour bus. A bus means a group of people that run together for a particular time. And when I saw that, then I just went and lo and behold, sub two. So Coach Farouk was actually right. And that was really... Uh, Another highlight of my running career, if I can call it that, a few short years. Then through the lockdown, we were really, really, really missing the races, right? We were missing the races so much because running was a really nice way for us to have a bit of a social life, okay? There are definitely some unlawful elements uh, around in these races in terms of the way certain people dress and um, behavior, conduct, and so on. But you don't have to be involved in any of those things, right? You do not have to become part of anything unlawful. Unlawful things and actions take place all around us all the time. We should not let that be an excuse for us to stay away from the good things that something, you know, some uh, avenue of life has to offer. Of course, this requires some elaboration before we get into a big fit lesson now. But what I really wanted to focus on is the fact that at this point in the lockdown, we really started appreciating what running meant for us. It wasn't just about the, the physical um, benefits. It was about the psychological benefits and the emotional benefits. And for me personally, it was about the spiritual benefits as well. Because when I was healthier and eating healthier and sleeping with better healthy habits, I was a better Muslim. And when... I lacked in any of those uh, areas of my life. I found my iman, my spirituality also going down. And no, I'm not saying running is going to improve your spirituality directly. But indirectly, if you know how to channel this concept or this um, area of your life, 
I certainly do believe that it can be a means for you to grow closer and closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It really can. Obey Allah's laws, stay away from His prohibitions, make sure that you prioritize what Allah prioritizes, and do everything in the best of your ability, including your health and fitness. Be that strong believer. And Allah knows best. So, now we are at the point of the marathon. So Coach Siraj says to me, look, we're going to do 30 kilometers of the Cape Town Marathon. So that is a, that's a landmark achievement for me because up until, um, up until the training runs for the marathon, my longest distance was a 21.1 kilometer run. And I did about three or four of that. And that was it. I did not run a 22-kilometer run, a 23-kilometer run, etc. I didn't do a 30-kilometer, certainly no. So I agreed. And the reason we we decided to do 30 kilometers of the 42.2 is because Cape Town Marathon is, is particularly hard. Cape Town Marathon is harder for people such as myself than other marathons. Now, this may seem a bit strange, but... The reason Cape Town Marathon is actually a difficult marathon is, in my opinion, the fact that it's so flat. It's not a very hilly run. My first sub two was on the Winelands Half Marathon. That is an extremely hilly race, meaning it's very big hills up and down. And my body tends to do better on on runs such as that because you're using different muscles. I've got quite a big frame. So you're going uphill, you use certain muscles, then you come downhill and you recover those muscles and you use different muscles. And this is how the entire run goes. With a flat run, my worst half marathons were flat runs. It seems sort of counterintuitive because if it's flatter, you're not going to strain your muscles as much, but that's not the case. I actually found it to be very difficult. So to do a full marathon and do a flat race that for me was something sort of unthinkable. And the same for Coach uh, Siraj, who actually had a bad experience with Cape Town Marathon before, where he's, you know, like he hit the wall, his wheels came off, his sister and others who he was training could actually uh, sort of just run away from him, so to speak. Um, So yeah, we were totally against the idea of doing a full marathon until we weren't. So as we're training, right, what happens is every weekend you do a long run and the long run increases each week. So let's say, for example, you start your training. Normally training programs of of this nature is about 12 weeks. Uh, It's difficult to say when exactly we started training because technically we didn't stop um, training. We continue to train. It's just we intensified our training for Cape Town Marathon. So your, your, your shortest long run would be something like 12 kilometers. And then the next week you'd increase it to 15 kilometers. And then eventually two weeks later, maybe to 20 kilometers and so on. So our long runs were on average between 15 and 20 kilometers. Now this just means that we were increasing and increasing. Until eventually I saw that our long runs is now 25 kilometers. And then the next week, our long run was going to be 28 kilometers. And I thought, but hold on, how can our longest run be 28 kilometers if we are only intending to do 30 kilometers? Little did I know that that coach of mine, he had a plan up his sleeve. So he then said, no, look, let's actually just do Cape Town Marathon. Right? He asked me about how I felt about it. And he knows that, you know, when, when a challenge like this is brought in front of me, it's very difficult for me to say no. 
So I agreed and the rest is history. He signed us up or his wife signed us up actually. Um, we put in the training. The longest run that we did to prepare for 42.2 kilometers was 32.2 kilometers. That means that there were 10 kilometers that were completely uncharted territory. And let me tell you, that uncharted territory, it made a difference. Subhanallah. The, I remember the one long run was from my area to a mall. And for those of you who don't know the areas, I'm rather just going to use this in terms of parables, right? So from my area to this particular mall is so far that my wife and I, we really, really don't like going to that mall for anything. Now that mall is in the vicinity of where I used to live in my childhood days. But it takes so long to drive there and drive back home that we just try to avoid it like the plague. But one of our long runs was to that mall and back. And that's just to give you some idea. The morning we did that run, that was 28 kilometers, I literally told uh, Siraj, I said, we don't even want to drive to that mall. You're telling me we're going to run there today? And we did. And it was raining on that day. And it was just an amazing experience to, to actually do that running. The next run was the 32.2 kilometer run. And what was amazing was that when we started out, 15 kilometers felt like a lot. By the time we reached 28 or 30 kilometers, now a 20 kilometer run felt like a short run. And it's not. It's like a two hour long run. But this is, this is one of the biggest lessons that I learned in the process is how adaptable we actually are. In our minds, we as human beings, we are convinced of what we are and what we are not capable of. So we wouldn't dare to do certain things simply because I can't do that. Or we wouldn't aspire to certain things simply because we don't believe that we are capable of that. And this is not just in relation to physical fitness and health and so on. This is in relation to many things in life. Our learning, our studying, our careers. We simply just cut ourselves off. But when you stop relying on your own ability and you place your trust in Allah while... At the same time, putting in your effort and doing your best that you can do and really just pushing yourself. That's all you can do. Just push yourself to the next level. Constantly push yourself to the next level. You will find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring you up. Because Allah says in a hadith Qudsi, so through the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ana inda dhanni abdi bi. I, Allah, I am to my servant as my servant thinks of me. So when we limit ourselves, in a sense, we're kind of limiting what Allah will do for us. Because if I don't believe that I can become a hafiz of the Qur'an, I don't have that ability, you know, some people are born with it and I'm not. Then what I'm actually also tacitly kind of saying is that Allah gives some people that ability, He doesn't give me that ability. So if I'm thinking like that about Allah, it's not going to happen for me. So I learned in this process about just how adaptable we were, that me, this person, who couldn't run from pole to pole, who could not tie his own shoelaces, could run uh, these impossible distances just to train for a, an event where he's going to run an even greater distance just for the fun of it, just for, for this. <laughs> this is all you get. You only get a piece of metal that you eventually get, lo you know, you lose it in your cupboard somewhere. I've got so many of these things now from other races, but this is my first marathon check this out it says 
Uh, it's probably not going to focus now. Okay. Cape Town Marathon 2021. And uh, subhanAllah, it, it's, this means nothing really. You could throw this away. But the experience is priceless. The experience was really and truly priceless. Um, I learned about the adaptability and how, you know, these impossible things, whether it be an impossible distance, an impossible task like finishing a degree or anything that we look at as very difficult, just like with a marathon, just put one foot in front of the other and just keep going, right? That was a big lesson for me. The other thing that I learned was about the importance of accountability. Both my coach as well as uh, some of our other friends who run in the group that we run in, some crazy people there, shout out to them. Um, we all rely on each other in order to make sure that we keep going. What happens the week or the, the day where one of us can't make it for some reason, all of a sudden, others also can't make it, right? If one doesn't wake up to go for the run, the other one also just goes back to sleep. So when you don't have any accountability partner, you're relying on the discipline of your own nafs to keep going. And that's just very unreliable and it doesn't make a lot of sense. Instead of doing that, have an accountability partner and make sure that you take account of one another. So you keep pushing one another and you both benefit from that mutual relationship. This was an important thing as far as realizing the value of a coach as well. And I'm not here speaking specifically about a coach for physical training, but in life, we should have coaches. You should have a teacher, a coach, someone who can show you what the next step is. And I'm not trying to promote life coaching here per se, but yes, exactly that. Life coaching, spiritual co uh, coaching. In Islam, you have something called Islamic spirituality, which are called many different names, like tasawwuf, for example. And in that um, discipline, you have the concept of having a spiritual teacher, a sheikh. And what is that really? It's basically a pious person who coaches you on how to become a pious person as well. That's basically what it's about with Quran, with Sunnah. Of course, uh, there's certain elements of those things that need to be explained and elucidated properly so that we don't get mixed up with things that are, you know, kind of away from the Quran and Sunnah. But at the end of the day, the idea of having a teacher, the idea of having a coach in life for anything that's important to you in life, I believe is something that we we too easily overlook these days because all of us are experts, right? We all have access to the internet and YouTube and so on, so we think we can do it all. But you cannot underestimate the value of having a proper teacher for anything that's important in your life. And I'm going to stress this again and again. Because of having not necessarily a coach. It just so happens that Siraj is a coach, right? He qualified as a coach in the club with uh, Coach Farouk. But if, if he wasn't a coach, just the fact that he's my accountability partner in running, perhaps in weightlifting, I have a different accountability partner. Perhaps with academic work, I have a different accountability partner. Like with Seeker's Guidance, there's there's digital accountability partners because you have an online platform that you have to, uh, that, that basically checks in on you and you check in on it and it keeps you going. So another major lesson that we can learn from this outdoor activity called running and this world, if you will, is that you can do anything that you put your mind to 
if you take the correct steps. And part of the correct steps is having an accountability partner, having a coach. I think the two are slightly different in that an accountability partner is technically somebody that's at your level. Whereas a coach usually has more experience than you do or more knowledge than you do. Not necessarily better than you. It's not very, it's it's not uncommon for the student to sort of outstrip the coach, right? It's not un- uncommon for that to happen. And that's the sign of a good coach, as Siraj always says. But it's a, it's a lesson that we can really take seriously in life. So don't underestimate yourself. Don't think that you can't do something simply because you can't do it now. Secondly, don't rely on your own nafs. Rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and believe that Allah can get you there. You just put in the effort. That's the next one. You just keep going. Just put one foot before the other. Just put one foot before the other. Just keep going, right? You're good as long as you're going. It doesn't matter how far you're going, how uh, hard you're going, how fast you're going. All that matters is that you keep going. And then again, have an accountability partner, have a coach, right? A coach in life, somebody that you go to, that you ask for advice, that you ask for assistance, that helps you navigate the way forward. The race itself, I think the most important thing for me to say about the race is that it was hard. I'm not going to try and pretend that it wasn't. Um, I finished the race in four hours and 58 minutes, which is a bit longer than I thought I would take. I assumed it would be slightly less than that. But of course, I had nothing to go on because this was my first marathon. I just kind of did the maths in my head. But Alhamdulillah, I think we did pretty well considering that we we didn't take very long breaks. We stopped only to stretch, uh, you know, sore muscles, grab something to drink, short walk breaks, but no serious stops, no serious rests. And um, our nutrition plan was pretty good. I did have to take a painkiller on the way, I think at about 30 kilometers. So I started cramping up in my quad muscles from after 30 kilometers. It started really feeling like it's about to cramp. It's about to cramp. Alhamdulillah, you know, the camaraderie is so great. When we just, you know, stopped because of the, the way I felt and somebody could see that I was actually struggling, immediately somebody came with water, with a painkiller, um, with some deep heat spray. I don't know this person. Whoever you are, if you if you watch this or if you hear this, may Allah reward you. Uh, thank you so much. That was an amazing gesture. I know I, I could barely speak at the time because I was so overwhelmed with what was happening. I think I did say thank you, but if I didn't, I'm so sorry. Um, that was really amazing. So within seconds, it felt like a pit stop, you know, in the Grand Prix cars just pull over and they do the whole tire change and the refueling and everything and then there the car goes. It felt kind of like that throughout. People came out... Um, the mosque at which I serve as a khatib, the some of the committee members actually came out and they supported me on the road. They cyclists, shout out to them. Um, friends who run with us generally but didn't do the marathon, they came out and supported. It was just a fabulous experience in that sense. As I said, it was very difficult. From 30 kilometers onwards, the body started showing signs of, you didn't do this before, but we kept going. And uh, I have to thank my, my, my coach, Siraj, because... There was one stage towards the end where I really felt like I really want to do this. I want to go further. I want to do the sub five hour, you know, finish time that we said, okay, we must at least get that. 
but my body just can't do it anymore. So I'm going to finish this thing because we got this far. This was about maybe 40 kilometers or so. But I don't feel like pushing any longer. Why should I? I mean, <laughs> we're right there, right? It's We're definitely going to finish it. It's just all about what time we're finishing it in at this point in time. But he kept me going, said, no, let's go. And we did. And I crossed the, I crossed the finishing line. I must say, I did shed a few tears. Nobody saw because I made sure to walk away as quickly as possible. Because of COVID regulations, you know, there weren't really big crowds at the finish line. And I actually met my wife and daughter and uh, mother-in-law and other family. And my brother-in-law who also ran the race. We all met up afterwards. But subhanAllah, it was really... It was really a good experience. Will I do it again? Absolutely. Just not in the next three months, I think. Um, there's certain other priorities that, that I need to kind of give my attention to. Please make dua for me. But I would highly encourage anyone, if you're looking for something to put your, your mind to, you know, a physical accomplishment that requires work, and requires dedication, but it's a major accomplishment, absolutely try running a, mar uh, a marathon. I would also like to state that don't put this past you again, you know, because you may be thinking, ah, that's no ways, I can barely do a kilometer, how can I run a marathon? Believe you me, that's exactly a good place to start. <laughs> Even if you, you've never put on a pair of running shoes in your life and all you've done was run to the toilet, uh, that's okay. You can actually start training from that point onwards. Remember, the Prophet sallallahu inspiration is enough for us. Al-mu'min al-qawi khayrun wa ahabu ilallahi ta'ala min al-mu'min al-da'if wa fi kullin khayr. The strong believer is better and more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the weak believer and there's goodness in both of them. Ihris ala ma yanfa'uk. Be eager for that which benefits you. Wasta'in billah. And seek assistance with God, with Allah. And do not despair. Do not become hopeless. Do not give up hope. Do not give up. Uh, don't call yourself incapable. This is the advice of the Prophet ﷺ. I felt horrible as a student of deen, speaking and encouraging people to follow the sunnah, literally teaching about the shama'il, the, the characteristics of our beloved messenger Muhammad ﷺ having to tell people about how he ate and his physique, how his chest and his belly were always in line right till the end of his life while standing there with a huge belly myself. It was absolutely unacceptable for me. And I used to apologize. I used to say to people, look, I know that I'm not quite following this, but this is the sunnah and nonetheless we need to mention this and so on. And I had concerned members of the community actually telling me, you know, people who felt confident enough to do so, that I need to do something about my health and so on. And I thank all of them. So the message, uh, I hope, inshallah ta'ala, is taken in the right light, the one that it was intended in, and not as a, uh, a boasting session. I certainly don't feel like I did anything to be able to boast with. Um, it's not like, you know, I'm amazing or I did something amazing. This was a combination of the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first and foremost. And then the combination of the right uh, training plan the right nutrition, the right coach, um, the right time, because I didn't rush into it. There were many, many people who were barely running for a year and they're already doing a marathon. And I don't think that's a good idea. But if they got through it, alhamdulillah, it's good for them. But that would be against the advice of the experts. And I always believe, you know, when you're not an expert, stick to the advice of the experts and Allah knows best. 
Naam, I think that's about it. Um, I'm not going to drag this thing on any, any longer than it should. But if you are interested in getting healthier, getting stronger, um, I think it's okay to just reach out to me. I'm not, I'm not going to offer you any health advice or um, any sort of physical fitness advice. I'm not a coach. I'm not a, a health expert and so on. But I could perhaps just share some of my experiences or answer some of, que- some of the questions you may have based on um, what I found and what worked for me. That's all that I can really do. And of course, if it's in line with, with Islamic advice, then I'd be more than happy to share that. If you'd like to know more about how to get into running, how to get into physical fitness, sort of a path that you can take. Alhamdulillah, over the years, over the last two years at least, more and more people have reached out to me and have sort of requested me to assist them with just basic advice. You know, just tell me quickly about running, what should I do? Or about eating, what should I do? Or about losing weight, what should I do? Because these are all different things. Um, just the other day I was running uh, the last run actually for Cape Town Marathon and a young gentleman stopped me and he happened to be a, uh, a Molan and somebody who just recently qualified and he told me that he was inspired by my journey and I felt overwhelmed subhanallah and he told me about what he's doing and he's also running now if he's listening to this mashallah uh, Molana Zubair I, I believe may Allah increase you and shukran for sharing that with me that was great um, for all of you out there, I just really hope that somebody's going to be inspired by this. And if you are, and if you do make that change, and you see me one day, or you want to reach out to me one day, it will really make my day to just let me know that uh, it did make a difference, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq, the hidayah, to become strong believers first and foremost in our iman, in our faith, because that benefit will, will last for all eternity. And... And let us not forget our portions of the dunya, that in this dunya, while we are here, we also have amanat, obligations and trusts to fulfill to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And part of that is actually our bodies. Um, we will be accountable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what we do with this favor of Allah. And let us pray that we are able to be responsible with these favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. خير وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد سبحان الله وبحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته